Welcome to the SAMA podcast. We ask the smartest customer-facing people in B2B how to become trusted advisors to the customers their companies can't afford to lose. I'm Harvey Dunham. Hi, it's uh, my great pleasure today to uh, introduce our guest. Uh, It's Chris Pennington from Palo Alto Networks. Chris is currently the Vice President of Global Sales Programs for Palo Alto Networks. It's a relatively new assignment, and we'll get into that as the discussion unfolds. Uh, But uh, he's had a long and distinguished career with several high-profile high-tech companies, Google, at Microsoft, Sun Microsystems, at IBM. So, Chris, we're just delighted that you could join us today and uh, look forward to having a conversation with you. Welcome. It's a, it's a pleasure, Harvey. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Chris, maybe we'll dive right into this because uh, you're in a really interesting spot, as I understand it, with Palo Alto Networks and the growth that Palo Alto has gotten vis-a-vis acquisition and your role and we're trying to take Palo Alto Networks where they want to go. Can you share a little bit about what the situation is that you're in right now and what you're trying to accomplish? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, Palo Alto Networks is on an amazing trajectory. It's very, very exciting to be part of it. I think that the leadership team has done an amazing job on transforming from best of breed in in particular in the firewall space to expand into uh, the cloud environment, to expand into artificial intelligence, to expand into the SOC world, IoT. I mean, it really is a fantastic transformation, an amazing story. And I'm very, very excited to be, to be part of it. And in my world in particular, as you mentioned at the beginning, we're focusing on that very, very top of the pyramid of accounts, the Fortune 2000, whatever label you want to, to put on it, and really focusing on organizations that are distributed worldwide, distributed influence, distributed decision-making, and they need an approach which takes that into account, that looks at it as a worldwide global entity not a headquartered entity or a national entity. So trying to drive complexity and the nuances in the, in the thinking of the organization on the back of a company that is fundamentally transforming its very core DNA at the same time. So when, when you're looking at the global 2000 companies, let's say, or you know, these large enterprises, is there a, a criteria that you use to, to narrow that down a little bit? And, and if so, is it something you can share with us? I mean, the way that we look at it is we think of this as a growth engine. And so I think that historically, you know, a global accounts program in inverted commas, you know, started off life as an account management structure for the very largest customers you have on a worldwide basis. I, you know, tongue in cheek, call it, you know, being diamond on Delta. You get treated nicely, you get access to a lounge, you get access to things that other people don't don't get. And, and those programs are very useful. They do achieve a particular goal. Our goal, though, is to focus on a growth opportunity, to focus on organizations that we don't necessarily have a very uh, strong relationship with, or maybe only have a relationship with in a single product area. And so the way that we're thinking about it is how do we grow in this space? How do we grow impact our business value propositions? And obviously, at the end of the day, our overall sales into this space. So it's very much a growth engine. 
So you're really looking for companies where you feel like you've got the best opportunity to expand. Yeah, exactly. We do think of these things as also as industry. So there are there are certain industries that lend themselves to globalization, financial services, pharma, oil and gas, automotive. So when you're trying to figure out what your business value is going to be or the impact, you have to bring together not only key elements of technology, but also sort of like, you know, what do they have to do on a day-to-day basis? The sales cliche about, you know, helping them run their business more effectively. So you know, we're aligning in the industry focus, we're aligning in, in, our, in our own product expansion focus, but overall, it's an underpinning that if we deliver a better service to these customers, if we're seen as being a partner on a worldwide stage, then ultimately that in, in, improve customer satisfaction, it'll improve our impact on them, and we hope that that will drive greater growth from a sales attainment point of view as well because of that. You mentioned that you're grown a lot by acquisition recently and, and increased your capability. And presumably you've gotten new people coming into the strategic account manager role. I'm just wondering, how are you selecting the SAMs and really getting them focused on the value proposition that you intend to deliver to the, to the selected customers? Yeah, you know, you know that's, that's, that's a really interesting question because I don't really see it as us helping them. It's, it's basically the other way around. You know, I'll use the acquisition about Cloudgenics. You know, a, an awesome sales team, just a spectacular sales team that did an incredible job on building that business. It's sort of like the startup mentality and the practices that they, you know, that they employed to make them as successful as they are. So I see it more as adopting those people and, and then learning from them and adding them to the practices that we may have already started to build. I think what Palo Alto Networks is doing really well, you know, many organizations, you know, have gone out and they've, they've, they've bought companies and history is littered with disaster stories about that integration and, you know, the death of that company culture and all those, and all those sorts of things. And so I think, you know, what Palo Alto Networks is doing is it's, it's allowing these organizations to help us evolve our culture, help us evolve our sales practices. And I, and I think that's a fantastic thing. I think that marrying the sheer strength that the company has built and the expertise it's built over its 15, 16 years in existence, and then allowing these companies to not be assimilated by it, but to you know, append it and grow it is, is an incredible part of the success that's being driven by the organization. My gosh, it actually sounds like the, the one plus one equals three synergy actually exists. Some of my favorite cliches in the world, Harvey. Absolutely. I mean, if one plus one is less than two, which, which sometimes can be the case, then it's a disaster. Anything you know, above two um, starts to be a success. And the higher it is above two, then the, the better it is. And that's what you've got to be aiming for. Is there a, a particular sales process that you're following or is... Are you less formalized than that? So we have not standardized on a single sales process across our organization. We have standardized in the way that we think about account management, which is an evolution of, of certain practices. On a natural basis, we employ a challenger type sales environment. And I think that that's just the norm of where we are in the marketplace and what we're trying to do. And if you, if you think about what Palo is doing is it's, bringing in all these organizations, it's evolving its own culture, it's evolving its people, you know, changing the culture of 8,000 people, no mean feat. We're changing our brand associations. 
we're no longer a, a firewall company. We are a cybersecurity platform organization able to have a massive impact on innovation and business within large organizations. So we are by association challenging the norms of thinking, challenging even the norms of thinking of our own brand associations, challenging the way that cybersecurity is purchased by large organizations. So while we don't necessarily run a lot of challenger training courses, we have a lot of challenger experiences. And I think the, the role that we have to play in cybersecurity is to challenge. That's right. It really defines where you are as a company and, and more importantly, where you want to go. So as the leader of this newly formed group, how are you keeping your fingers on the pulse, especially when we're, we were speaking before the, the interview began about the, we're, we're basically at home and, and working remotely like everyone in the world is these days? I, I never thought I'd miss the 6 a.m. flight and the, you know, the, the airport Hilton Hotel as much as I do right now. And, it, you know, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible challenge for not just us, but for all organizations is to, you know, how do you, how do you grow a team? How do you grow a team in a world? Sales is a contact sport. You know, it's, it's all about, you know, uh, roaming the halls, the water cooler conversations uh, within your customer, getting the team together and strategizing. So it is very difficult. I mean, uh, I love the fact that, you know, I was on a plane. I was in Europe. Um, I was due to go to uh, our JPAC region before all the travel restrictions came in. And I think being forced to not be able to do those things has, has put a, a really difficult strain on, on people and being incorporated into a team. And then also selling to these large organizations, building relationships. I mean, we're at the, the point in the, the pyramid, as I said, where relationships are everything. You know, you have to build deep relationships with, you know, with your customers. Uh, the cliche about trusted advisor is, is an incredibly you know, you know, important part, you know, customers are not, you know, are not stupid. They know we're trying to sell them something, but they need to sort of like bring you into the fold and give you more openness in terms of their thinking, which is hard to do over a Zoom call. And so I think that, you know, we like all other organizations are using, you know, video-based communications extensively. We are using the notion of virtual wine tasting. We're trying everything and anything that we can to enable us to sort of like move forward, you know, on that space. And, and, and I think now we're at that point where it's safe and responsible, you know, we, we are, we are sort of like going to have an in-person meeting, you know, it's a socially distanced mask wearing in-person meeting. I have a leader in my organization who joined four weeks before we all got shut down and he's, you know, he's had to build his team around him and he's hardly met them and he's right. having to do it. Over, and, and I think now, in, in, in the Northeast, if we can do it safely and responsibly without putting anybody in, in any shape of, of danger, then we are exploring ways that we can meet in person, you know, outside or, or whatever safe. But it's a huge challenge and I, I don't claim to have the silver bullet that solves it for everybody. I do believe that, you know, what we've done really well is we have experimented. You know, we've experimented with silly little things like keeping Zoom calls with our customers to 15 minutes and challenging our sales teams to be able to sort of like have a small number, have a more, more meetings, but only have 15 minute meetings and to, um, to be able to get their impact statement, their value proposition, the meaning of that meeting 
over and done with as fast as possible and, and give time back to the organization or just keep them engaged you know for that you know for that length of time we've explored other virtual events you know what's working what resonates well we found interestingly enough that the chat feature in the you know whether it be zoom or others is working extremely well people are actually so sort of like you know engaging in a you know in a, almost like a sidebar conversation within these video calls in a meaningful way so we're encouraging that we're exploring that so i think now is the time to actually sort of like push the boundaries and try things and be open with the customer we, we've we've talked with our customers and and asked them what works best for them you know how does it fit in with their day because they're suffering the same things we are you know, at any point now, my, you know, my son could go home from school and come running into the back of my, you know, back of my Zoom call. And that's normal. That's the, net, the new normal world that, that we have. So being appreciative of that and cognizant of that with our customers is also helping us build those relationships. You know, it's, it's empathy. It, again, these are, these are sort of like sales 101s to some degree, but being empathetic to the realities that we're facing, they're identical to our customers. So it's just as important now to be empathetic as, as it is the time that you can go in and, you know, uh, have a pint with your customer uh, as well as, a, you know, as well as a serious business. What I'm hearing, Chris, is, is that you're actually, you're, you're being able to engage with your customers as people. I think when we're all working from home, I think we're all, I think we're all a little bit more humble. I think we're all a little bit more based when we're at home. My family certainly won't let me have my airs and graces. I think everybody, regardless of their, you know, job title or seniority, things like that, is is struggling at least, you know, to some degree with, with with everything that's going on, and and are worried about, you know, their own team, their own business metrics, their own company, and I think that that's that has democratized everything that we do, and it has made people uh, more accessible. We have found great success in virtual EVCs, executive briefings. Because, you know, before there was massive value in people flying out, you know, from New York to California to our headquarters. It's a very impressive facility. We can wheel in these brilliant people in the product team and our senior leaders, but we get more people stay longer and more engaged on a two hour EVC we still get these brilliant people. We still get these, you know, these leaders attend. And, and we're actually finding that we can get at more impact. We can get our message broader because they don't have to travel, which if you're going from the East Coast to the West Coast means there's a day, day there and a day back. Uh, they don't have to worry about budgets. They don't have to worry about their, ex their expenses. And they're happy to engage two hours in this forum as long as we can keep those two hours engaging so it's forcing us to condense that message and be really impactful over a new format in a condensed amount of time and it's working really well i think we will build upon this long long after hopefully you know COVID is a is a, is a horrible memory and 2020 is over i think we will still build upon this because we've we've discovered you know new things uh, and new things that drive impact. And we've got to embrace those. Wow. It, it's, it's a great story. You know, and as I understand it, I mean, you're you're a year or so into this. Mm -hmm. year, year and a half, yeah. And I think the first year, if I understand it, was very, very successful for, for your team and, and for your for what you were trying to. Yes, in some, in some respects. 
in terms of our, you know, performance, our performance as a company was phenomenal. Our performance as a team was very, very strong. You know, I, I would be my own, my own sort of like harshest critic. Again, another one of those horrid cliches. You know, did we drive as much impact as I wanted from a programmatic point of view? No. Did we drive as big an impact as I wanted to do with our, you know, partner channel with a true force multiplication within these these global entities? No, I think we, you know, we had some strong ideas and for a million different reasons, um, we didn't get the results that we wanted. So we've adjusted, you know, we've refocused. Don't get me wrong. As I said, from, from when you when you foolishly decide that sales is going to be your life, then you are ultimately measured by this one metric each year, which is your attainment percentage. And on that basis, we had a, we had a phenomenal year. But I think that what, what Palo Alto Networks is doing and what I'm trying to do in a, in a small way within this team is to change a culture, is to change a thinking, is to change an engagement. But no, I did not achieve as much as I would like to have done in the first year. I think that we still have room for improvement. I think we can still have you know, a bigger impact, especially around things like from a programmatic point of view, and especially about leveraging our partner ecosystem in a much more effective way. I really appreciate your, your humble assessment. I can empathize. I, you know, you're never there. I, I am curious, so looking back over this last year and a half or so, this journey that you've been on, is there, you know, have you seen the kind of success of expanding into some of these customers with this vastly increased portfolio? And, and you know, if so, is there anything in particular you can share about how the team was able to accomplish that? Yes, yes. I mean, we mapped our accounts on a scale of, you know, A, a to E, A being a very strong customer with already a, 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 a strong installed base, an E being, you know, white space stroke dark account. And as you look at that on a page, obviously what you're trying to do is shift left. If you're E, you want them into D and D into, you know, into C, et cetera, et cetera. So we are looking at these accounts. We are reporting back to the president of the company on this whole shift left motion. And again, the important thing is not just to manage that at a monetary point of view or product point of view. It is a relationship aspect as well. If it's a dark account or a, a white space account, you know, shifting it left is that they're engaging with us. They're, they're open to a conversation. They're exploring ideas. You know, we have a relationship with them. So we're definitely looking at it at that, at that point of view. And if you look at the evolution of, of Palo Alto Networks over the last 18 months, forgive the American sports analogy, but we have so many more at-bats now. Right. So two, two and a half years ago, we, we had a lot less products to go sell. We had like, you know, the preeminent next generation firewall in the marketplace. And, you know, we will stand by that. That's a very important element of our business and, and, and feel very strongly that it's second to none in, in, in the marketplace. But as I said, we now have all these other, mixing my analogies, strings to our bow. So we can now approach these customers and we can talk to them about their, you know, their cloud journey. We can talk to them about the issues that they face within their SOC environment. We can talk to them about, you know, the MPLS to SD-WAN migration plans. We can have so many more conversations with our customer than we could two years ago. So use them. You know, we're empowering our sales team, not only by training, you know, the account teams individually, but layering incredibly talented sales specialist organizations, subject matter experts in these particular areas 
who in a coordinated and collaborative fashion can approach these customers you know, and have a meaningful conversation about different areas. And so, so we're unlocking that shift left by initially our teams being comfortable in these brand new areas. You know, people that have grown up and been incredibly successful in the firewall space are now able to go and discuss, you know, a cloud strategy or a DevOps strategy, a container strategy, a SOC strategy, an IoT strategy. So we are shifting left because we can have these, you know, these meaningful conversations. But importantly, we can also bring them together as a cohesive cybersecurity message. And so you may lead with one particular area, but I think you know, what, what the product teams, what the leadership has done really, really well is not have it as a disparate set of products. You know, we are moving to this solution space, so this you know, portfolio approach, call it whatever you will, but it's incredibly important in this complex cybersecurity world to be able to think about it more holistically to have synergistic natures between these different product areas. And I think that is resonating very well with organizations who are faced with new threats day in, day out, and they are looking for a partner to help them think about it. So we're not just helping them in a product area, we can help them with the way they think about the cybersecurity issues. And that, that builds us an incredibly strong relationship that earns us the right to then go and talk to them about products. Amazing. You know, there's a, there's a theme that I started to pick up here that it, it sounds like you've done an amazing job of doing what is historically the most difficult thing to do in strategic account management over the 50 years that Sam has been around talking to companies that attempt to do so, and that's to get internal alignment. Yes. And the theme that really came out to me is, is that we always say it starts with C-level support. And what I'm hearing is you must have had phenomenal C-level support to acquire these companies, bring them together, get them aligned and get everybody excited and heading in a direction and, and you know, total strangers working with one another, I suppose. I mean, it's funny, you use the analogy in one of our conversations before about, you know, you're closer to the end of your working career than, than you are at the beginning. And, and unfortunately, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, I've been at this a long time. So I'm right there with you as I'm closer. And, and, and what I've learned over all those years is to align yourself with great people. And, you know, without being horribly sycophantic to the people who pay my salary, you know, I think that they have built astonishing leadership at the product level, the go-to-market space with the theater leadership across the world. And yeah, I think that that is a critical component, leading from the front in this collaborative uh, approach to our customers is very, very important. And I, I genuinely believe they've done an awesome job and I'm you know, very proud to be, to be part of that. You're in a great place. Gee, we've talked about a lot of things. I'm, I'm curious about your customers. When you're approaching a customer, just kind of holistically, these are large global organizations, many, many people. Is there a particular characteristic of the person that you're looking for that, that uh, is the place to start? Yeah, I mean, I think that whether it's, whether it's Palo Alto Networks or whichever company that, that you're working for, I think 
you are looking for those people who are not content with just keeping the lights on. You're looking for people who are either employed to do it or are passionate about driving change within their organization. It is so much easier to do the same thing day in, day out than it is to try and drive a change within an organization. And so you are looking for those people passionate about that exact space. That sort of individual, that sort of team, that sort of approach has to be what you're looking for. And and, and I think that that's always a good starting point uh, on any engagement uh, when you want to build build a relationship with people. So, I mean, this is a person who must have a lot of courage and transformational aspiration themselves. I mean, again, what was that analogy is you, you were never fired for picking, you know, IBM. I mean, I think that there is, there's a lot of comfort with just keeping the status quo. And I think that it does take courage. I think it does take courage to drive change. And, and you are looking for that, that, that individual. And, and hopefully that individual was tasked with doing that. You know, a CEO with the foresight to know that change has to come. If you find that person, then uh, you're off to the races. But failing that, then that, that individual uh, that, that wants to do it is going to be key to, to any approach from any company. Fantastic. Fantastic. Gosh, they, uh, are there, you know, any other lessons learned about breaking into uh, a company? These companies, I'm particularly interested in the ones where you're lightly penetrated or You've taken a, a risk, I suppose, in focusing resources on someone where you have no relationship at all or very, very little. I mean, this may come across as ridiculously common sense, maybe too simplistic, but you have to have a strategy and you have to have a bespoke strategy. I mean, if you look at our A to E, you know, in our A category, you have a small number, admittedly, but some of our largest customers in the world and what's going to resonate with them, what's going to be impactful to them is very, very different to an organization that doesn't talk to us or hasn't spoken to us. And so uh, building a strategy per account is, is again, it's, it's almost like ridiculously obvious to say out loud, but, it, but it, it is very, very important. You know, we are being successful because we are beginning to collaborate across multiple teams in multiple geos. So not only have you got the subject matter experts in the product areas, you've got account teams in New York, London, and Singapore that you have to collaborate with. And so the success is being driven by, we mentioned earlier on, you know, one plus one is greater than two. So these teams are operating in a, in a very, very strong way because they're collaborating together. And they're doing that because there's a plan. So we have something called a global client lead. They own the relationship with the customer and they own the development of the strategy for that that customer. And and it's going to be bespoke. Different challenges, different regions. And so getting everybody on board and understanding what it is that we're trying to achieve. If you've made a decision that, that if it's a dark account, you are going to sort of like leverage our Prisma Cloud functionality as that 
uh, sort of like entry point, then everybody needs to know that. Everybody needs to know that that's the strategy. Here's who's going to say what to whom and when, um, all those sorts of things. So it is an obvious statement, but when you've got massive complexity with brand new product sets, brand new areas, brand new sort of conversations to have multiplied by the need to coordinate across geographies, time zones, cultures, then having that plan becomes, you know, mandatory. Having both a strategic vision for what it is you're trying to achieve, as well as the good old 30, 60, 90. And, and by all means, you've got to do those two things separately. You've got to do those things separately, but you've got to have both because you've got to pay the mortgage, you've got to hit the numbers, but you're going to do that because you understand strategically what it is you're trying to achieve with that customer uh, at an aspirational level. Be bold about your strategic goals. You know, allow reality to be into the 30, 60, 90, but be bold about your strategic goals. So again, I apologize for it being blindingly obvious, but have a plan. Have the plan and then execute the plan. Well, and I, I, maybe I, if I may, I'd add one more thing because I can feel it in this conversation. Passion. You're passionate. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's so rich. It comes through, you know, if I had that, if I had the skills, I'd love to work for you. Well, I, we're always recruiting. So you never know, Harvey. One of the questions I ask when I'm interviewing for leaders, doesn't matter again, which organization is, you know, what do you look for when you're hiring you know, impactful leaders. I really do hope that somewhere, some version of passion stroke energy is part of what people look for because I think that, you know, passion, energy, and attitude is a very critical component of this. And if you're going to do anything hard, you're going to need all of those three in spades. And, I, and doing something hard and being successful is the best feeling in the world. Sir, I have no further questions. I mean, I'd love, we could, this could go on for hours and I hope someday we will bridge this virtual gap and we can do it in person. I, I will very much look forward to that. I will very much look forward to that. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it was a great conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So.